to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Good morning, good people. Good Sunday morning. A good Mother's Day morning to all our moms. And thank you for the sacrifices you made and... Most of all, thank you for life, because without you moms, we would not be here and not be able to celebrate the goodness of Jesus or hear the good news, the message. And so thank you. Uh, Also, today is Communion Sunday. So you might want to get someone to rustle up some juice or wine and a piece of bread. Because at the end of my sharing time, we're going to celebrate communion together. And um, maybe this is a family thing. Maybe you can grab the kids and bring them around the table, and uh, we can do this together. So we're going to launch into 1 Peter uh, 3, 8 through 12. Read this and then unpack it a little bit. And can you pray I don't get a phone call? Thanks. 1 Peter 3, 8 through 12. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to you to because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Lord, bless the reading of your word today. Help me. Give me, Lord, the gift of teaching over the next few minutes. I pray that your word would encourage people in these days, Lord, and that we indeed would walk away from these few minutes together. Encourage God, looking for your hand and your life in our own lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's always good whenever you read uh, a book in the Bible to do just a little bit of work to see what the person was like because they are interpreting things and they are hearing things in their culture and they are speaking to situations and activities that are happening in their culture. And of course, this book was written by Peter. Remember him? He was one of the three closest to Jesus. He's the one that was kind of putting his foot in his mouth uh, all the time. And he's the one that said, I would never deny you, Jesus. And yet what happened? Sure enough, he did exactly what Jesus said he was going to do. He denied him three times. And uh, Jesus, uh, Peter was devastated, heartbroken, because Jesus had told him, yes, you will, Peter. You're going to deny, deny me three times before the rooster crows. And so Jesus goes to the cross, and he pays the penalty of our sins, and he was raised from the dead on the third day. And we know that Peter is one of the ones who saw him raised from the dead, who heard him. And one of my favorite stories of Peter hearing him talk is when he's, this is post-resurrection, right? He's on the boat fishing, which was his profession. And uh, he hears a voice on the beach who says, have you caught anything? And, And they go, no. And Jesus says, throw it on the other side. Throw your net on the other side of the boat. And of course, they catch a tremendous amount of fish. And 
Peter realizes right then, you know, that it's Jesus. And I love what Jesus says to him. He says, why don't you grab some of your fish and bring it to the beach and, you know, I'll cook us breakfast. Here's some of my fish. You bring some of your fish. I just, that is a beautiful picture to me. And and so during that breakfast that day, Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me, Peter? Three times. This is the same guy. This is the guy who's writing this letter who knows what it's like to fail and he knows what it's like to be forgiven. He knows what it's like to think he's been excluded because of that failure and he knows what it's like to be restored by Jesus into a very important part of the whole gospel story for the world. And so this guy is writing this letter, and he's writing it in a time, this very hostile time in the Roman uh, Empire. And he's writing to a group of churches that he probably has never met. Maybe Paul has been up there and helped plant them, but Peter has probably never met them, but he's trying to bring them along. And also he's writing them maybe one to two years out of him losing his own life for the gospel by the same emperor that he's encouraging these churches to submit to. And so take all of that into consideration when we read these verses of the man's experience, his character, what God has done in his life. And uh, I love that, you know, he starts out with finally, uh, this is just like every good preacher who says, in conclusion, you know, finally, which usually in a sermon means in maybe 10 more minutes, you know, because when Peter says finally, there's still maybe almost a third of the letter left. So I don't feel too bad about it, you know, when I do that. I try not to, but, uh, you know, there it is. Finally, all of you, your fill-in today should have been posted on the Facebook uh, that you're on Facebook Live. And also it's on our Bible app and also our Church Center app, the fill-in. Peter will not let them, and I think he's not going to let us, off the hook. He is not going to let them or us off the hook. Finally, all of you, what he's about to say is meant for everybody. Now, he listed different people before, right? We went through that a few weeks ago, but now he's like, this is for all of you, all of you. And uh, he's like, I need you to listen. And, uh, you know, I keep... I keep uh, reading a lot of research and pundits, you know, people who are telling preachers how they should preach um, during this period of time. And, and I agree with with a lot of it. And one of the things they suggest is that we keep it very short, our sermons and even the whole service. And they recommend like a 15 minute sermon or 20 minute sermon. And, and um, you know, I, I, that's hard for me. I'll just be honest with you. And so, You know, I appreciate Peter's, you know, finally thing. He's wanting to make sure they understand when you have something that you've studied and and you want for yourself, it becomes a passion and you want others to have it. And that takes at least a few minutes. And I don't feel too bad when I go 30 minutes because, um, you know, over in the book of Acts, I think, what, 20, uh, somewhere along in in there, um, you know, Paul preached so long, he preached to midnight, and, and some guy that was in the congregation was sitting in a window and uh, fell asleep because Paul was preaching so long, and he evidently he died, and Paul had to, you know, when he finished his sermon, he went downstairs and had to raise him from the dead. I promise you I won't tempt God with that. If you fall out and, uh, you know, fall over, uh, I'm gonna, I'll try to keep it succinct as best I can. This word, Paul is saying, 
to this group of churches and I think to us is that the way what we're going to hear about living is for those inside the Christian community. And it's also for those inside the Christian community of how we treat other people outside of the community. So when we hear this and we hear these instructions, we hear these encouragements, it's not to be legalistic. It's like, here's the way to live and to live in a hostile environment and to be a witness in a hostile environment so that hopefully you can gain some favor and people you will you will survive as well as you will be a witness to Christ. You'll be a good example. And so your next fill-in is Peter encourages them, I think he encourages us, to live an appealing, appealing lifestyle. He says, be, be, but don't do this. He's telling us how to exist, how to treat one another, treat one another in this world, wherever we are, so that our lives will be somewhat appealing and people will want to know what has changed our life and how do we become a part of that. And the first thing he tells the church body is be like-minded, be like-minded, and that is unity and heart and mind, and that is critical for the Christian community. We can have differences of opinions over a lot of doctrinal things, but there's one thing that we have to be on the same page with, and that is we have to be like-minded about our mission, like-minded about what Christ has called us to, and like-minded about who Jesus is, and once we're there, then it will permeate our community, our Christian community, our faith community, and people will be able to see it. Um, Romans 15, 5 through 6 says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is our purpose, isn't it? We have to be like-minded around that, that what we do, how we treat one another, our mission, how we love our city, our community, how we work within the Christian community that we're a part of, as well as the city, the county that we're a part of. We need to be like-minded in our approach. And so in our Christian homes, how we treat one another, there should be something because of the unity, because of our thinking the same way that is appealing to even those who are outside of the church. And of course, inside of the church, we should be spurring one another on to good works and encouraging one another. And, and we have to work on it. You know, if you didn't have to work on this, Peter wouldn't put it in here. That's the thing you need to remember. It's mentioned because sometimes it is a struggle and a challenge. So, hey, if you're feeling like, man, I blew it, you're in the right place, okay? We're striving and we're working toward that. We want to be like-minded in the church as far as our mission, who Christ is. We're pushing on, and we hope that our lives, we hope that the church's life, the mission that it's on uh, is appealing to other Christians as well as the world we're in. Then he says, be sympathetic. Be sympathetic. And, uh, you know, sympathy is a kindness. It's a kind of a, a feeling for others. And it's also, I think, Sean, and us trying to understand one another, that we'll give a little room to understand each other and not discard and uh, reject and demean and judge another person that will have great sympathy for them. First Corinthians 1 10 says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. 
That's a lofty ideal, but that's what we're called to in the church. And we have to work at that because, you know, within ourselves, we have an enemy, the devil, who wants to sow discord, split us up, cause, you know, we can suddenly begin to think wrong thoughts about one another or motivations, uh, about people's motivations, and suddenly, you know, we're not the community we should be, and we have to work at that because those things do happen, and there is a temptation for them many times, and so we have to work at it, and that's what Peter is saying. Be sympathetic. Give some room, and I love the word harmony uh, when it comes to sympathy because harmony is like singing or playing notes. Like everyone is different, right? You may have a different note and you don't have to play the same note that someone else plays, but it needs to be in the chordal structure. That is the the organizing of the notes that produce a an appealing sound, right? And so we live in harmony as somebody plays the tenor part and somebody plays the baritone part, the alto part. And we it creates this chordal structure and this chordal lifestyle that is so appealing, just like a chord structure would appeal to the ears and the heart. So our living together, being sympathetic with one another, like-minded, builds this chord, this beautiful, inviting chord that people will want to hear more of. And so be like-minded, be sympathetic, then love one another. And we take that for granted in the Christian church. We go, you know, 1 John, you know, love one another. Jesus, love one another. We know that. But listen, we have to be we have to be cognizant of the fact that every our own selves, this within us, our selfishness many times that that resides in us, and and our brokenness, our insecurities, and all, will it will render that love for one another, and so it will just deplete it in us, you know. And so we have to be reminded that there is indeed a fight and a conflict in being able to love one another with our enemy, the devil, and many times with ourselves through our own insecurities. And so we do need to be reminded love one another. And in the early church, this was a huge thing that drew the attention of other people outside of the church. Oh, how they love. I mean, that was one of the declarations, speaking of that small community of faith believers the first few hundred years. And Ephesians 4, 31 through 32 says, get rid of all bitterness, all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Get rid of it. Then he says, here's what you put in the place of it. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, right? Out of Psalms. And what do we give away? We give away what we've been given. Compassion, love. The Lord is gracious, compassionate, and love. And so we pass that on. We love one another. And that's your next feeling. Be compassionate. I mean, that's what Jesus has called us to, and that is what Peter is reminding these folks in these churches. Be compassionate. You know, when Jesus talked of compassion, the word that was used is like your inside suddenly uh, just had this, it almost cramps up in love and concern for someone or something. Uh, when Jesus looked on Jerusalem and and he just wished that they would respond to him as the king, the one they'd been looking for, it, it was compassion. He says, like a mother hen has for her little chicks and how she wants to bring them up under her wings and protect them. The compassion that just 
tore him up inside. And all of us have been at moments of time in our life when we see someone or we see a situation and our insides groan for them. We care for them so much. And Peter is reminding us that that's good. You know, we should have that kind of compassion in our lives and we should show it. Luke 6, 27 through 28 says, but to you who are listening, that is, if you're listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Be compassionate even to those who aren't being compassionate to you because we've received so much compassion from Christ. We have it within us to give away. The next one he says, be humble. Everything is based on this humility. Um, And, you know, humble people doesn't mean that you're beat down. You're like, oh, man, I'm just a worm. You know, it means, no, you know who you are. You know what God has done in your life. You know he has forgiven you. You know you are the recipient of great grace and mercy. And you never forget that. You never forget that God in his infinite Grace and mercy saved you, forgave you. And not only did that, but he He put you in a position so that you can fulfill your life calling, which we'll talk about in just a second. So we're always reminded and we're humble. It wasn't us. It was God that did the redeeming. And now we have that within us and it allows us, it empowers us to be humble people. You know, not lay on the floor and let people walk over. You know, it means we make the choice to stand in a place of humility before people around us, before our faith community and before the world as they look at the Christians and wondering what's about them, you know? What is it about you guys? It seems to be a sense of humility. You're not braggadocious. You're, you know, you're not arrogant. There is a humility about you. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as in Christ God forgave you. Ephesians 4.32. Be humble. And then he says, do not repay evil for evil because they were living in an environment where some of them had already suffered persecution. And he's like, don't, you know, don't lash back out. Why? Well, one would be because they would have been annihilated. They were a very small group of people and Peter wants to see them survive. So don't repay evil for evil. Plus, how did Jesus live his life? He didn't repay evil for evil, did he? No, we're not to respond in kind when attacked. And uh, it's very easy. I mean, I've done it. I have the Lord has to grab me and convict me sometimes because when I feel attacked verbally or some way, you know, you want to come back with a one-upmanship or you want to put somebody in their place and you just feel this something that's really not very godly rising up in your heart and you you just want to say, no, Lord, that's not you and that's not even what I'm called to. I'm not, I haven't been given provision for that. I'm I'm leaning into something I don't even want to have, that anger. I, I don't want to repay evil for evil. So how do we respond? He says, repay evil with blessing. Repay evil with blessing. Romans 12, 14 says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Bless. And we read that and we think outside the church and that's so true for those churches Peter was talking to, but also sometimes we look around in our own faith community and we can be so brutal with one another. I mean, we can have suspicion about people. We can believe people are inauthentic, that they're 
you know, manipulative. And when we get like that, they suddenly become our enemies, our brothers and sisters. And so we have to be reminded, you don't repay, you know, even some slam or some evil that's been done with you with evil. You know, you don't slam them back. You repay them with blessing. And I think that's praying for them. I'm not saying you don't tell the truth to one another. You should. But we should do it with that humility that is a part of our life. And he's blessed. And what does blessed mean? It means to speak good of another person. Bless them. Speak good of them. And it also means this. It means that the blessing that was given was something that really brought good to that person that you gave it to. Because that person didn't do anything to earn what you gave them. You gave it to them as a blessing. Like, you, I'm going to bless you. Well, if, if you're paying back somebody something, it, it's a blessing, but it's not a blessing because they earned it. A blessing is when you say to someone here, it's saying more about you than it says about the one you're giving it to. Do you get this? It says you have received the blessing, so you are going to bless. And Peter says, don't forget, that is the way you live life. And then he explains why to live like that. Peter explains, this is three, the reasons why. And he says, because you were called. You were called for this. You're called to this. It's every Christian's calling that what we receive from God in Jesus Christ, we give back. We give away. You want to know what your calling is? It's to receive the blessings of salvation, of God's approval, His forgiveness, His empowerment through His Holy Spirit in your life. And then everything that comes into your life, the purpose from then on is for you to pour it out and to give back the way that He gave to you. Whether you're an electrician, preacher, uh, businessman, uh, Whatever your profession is, your calling, your calling is this, and that is to exemplify the goodness and the kindness of a beautiful Savior and the goodness of a good Father who gave His only Son for us. That is our calling. And also, why live like this? Because He says that you may inherit a blessing. As we bless others and live like that, we are promised more blessing and more. And I think in this world and definitely in the world to come, in the kingdom to come. And uh, we've received, we're going to receive blessing and uh, that inheritance, that we have an inheritance coming. And, you know, an inheritance indicates goods received uh, simply because of who one is and and the generosity, not because of who you are, but because of the generosity of the giver. Like, uh, you know, uh, my dad, when he died, what little bit he had, he left to his sons. And it wasn't because we were so great. It's because he loved us so much. It's not because we were so great, but it's because the Father loves us so much. We are inheriting we are and we will inherit even more of a blessing in the days to come. And then Peter, finally, and I do mean finally, Peter reinforces his encouragement with his own scripture that he had during that day, which is the Old Testament. Peter reinforces his encouragement with his scripture. And this is in verse 10 and 12 of 1 Peter 3, but he takes it out of Psalm 34, 12 through 16, the first part of 16. He doesn't use the latter part, and uh, there's a reason he didn't. But that's another date, another sermon. And he says this. He says, use your tongue to bless. Right? How do we do that? How do we bless others? We do it in speech. 
how we talk to one another. James, uh, the book of James in the New Testament is pretty obvious in James 1 and 3, how much this thing gets us in trouble, right? Tongues. As a somewhat Pentecostal charismatic, I've always said it's not the unknown tongue that gets us in trouble. <laughs> it's the known tongue, right? And so we don't want to uh, we don't want to empower it too much. And James says the tongue is also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself on fire by hell. Wow. We can get ourselves in so much trouble with this that sometimes it takes years ever to, you can't ever take it back, can you, what you said? And so Peter reinforces from Psalms that, look, with our life, with our lifestyle, how we live, you know, that that is going to have a testimony. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and do good. Keep our tongue from evil. And then he says, behavior, do good. Here it is again, that refrain that's always through First Peter. Good deeds, do good, good people. You know, turn from evil and do good. There it is, that's behavior. Make a choice. And then he says, recognize language, behavior, and then recognize that God is watching. That's not a scary thing, but it's a glorious thing. Look, you're not alone. God is taking notice in all that you're doing and how you're responding. And and there's more of an inheritance coming for you in eternity as well as today. And he listens to our prayers. He sees how we respond. I think these are good words for us, and I think they're very important for us to hear, as well as those churches during Peter's time. And we want to celebrate the kindness of God today in communion. So if you want to grab your juice or wine and bread, I'm going to reach back here and grab mine. Um, I love communion. Ever since the first day that I ever had taken it, I didn't understand it the first time. And but the more I got into it, the more I realized that I believe Jesus is present in a very special way. I think the Holy Spirit is with us each time we remember the sacrifice. And so on that night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Eat. He is the bread of life. He is our sustenance, our strength, our hope. And likewise, he lifted up the cup, said this is the cup of the new covenant, a new agreement with mankind. This is the blood of the new covenant. This was spilt for us. And, you know, when I see this, I like to think of, that's right, Jesus, I want your same blood, the energy from your life flowing in my veins, flowing through my heart. Help me live for you and thank you for the sacrifice. Your blood was spilt for me and now I am a part of your blood, your family. And so we celebrate today your compassion and your great goodness to us. Drink in celebration and remembrance of him. Hey, friends, look, if God has gripped your heart today and you're like, Tim, I I do feel like God has been pulling on me and wooing me, but I just don't know what to do about it. I don't know how 
to surrender. Well, that's exactly what you do. You just say to him, Lord, I commit my life to you. I surrender to you. He will take you from that point. And he will disciple you along with getting becoming a part of a local church where they can help you. And he will take you and he will keep you. He has kept me for 49 years now with all the questions I have and have. He has kept me and my faith grows strong. Sometimes it goes down. Sometimes it goes up. But it's always there because that's his job to give that to us. And so here's what I would like for you to do is just to say yes to Christ today. If you've never done that, or maybe you've been away from God for some time, if you would surrender to Him, say yes. And uh, so, Lord, right now, move on the hearts of those who you are calling, Lord, now to either recommit or step across that line and say yes to follow you for the first time. Yes, Lord. And would you let me know? Here's how you can let me know. You can text COMMIT, C-O-M-M-I-T, to 474747. COMMIT to 474747. I would like to know that you made that commitment today so I can pray for you and I can celebrate with you. So let me know, okay? Hey, folks, God bless you. Have a great week this week. Call your mom if you can't be with her because of the pandemic. Call her. Tell her you love her. And uh, I'll see you at some point during this week. Take care and God bless. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.